Swing on the high fly. Swung on the high fly. Hammered it again. At the track. High and deep to the right. That ball just got out of here. This is going to go to the rock pile. This ball's getting small. Right back at the track. Seems like the ball's had a lot of life the last couple of nights. We could go back to back. Here's Adam Engel. Swinging a long one to left. We're going to have a tie ball game. He did go back to back. High and deep. This is crushed to left center field. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here. This is is White Sox Weekly. Strike after strike, he is on a roll. Seven straight strikeouts. The wind and the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss and a fastball away. Make it eight in a row for Giolito. Coming off of my year in 18, had a lot of adjustments to be made. I had to fix some mechanical things. I had to fix some mental stuff. And then I was able to have a pretty good body of work. For me, it just makes me hungrier for more. Anderson hits one in the air. Deep into left field. Gordon turns and watches. And this one is gone. Way up into the bleachers. He turned on it, burned on it, flipped the bat, and started running. You know, we broke down my swing, and uh, we made some changes, and uh, it, it seemed to work for me. The Chicago Baseball Conversation. Deep in the right field. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone! 720 WGN. We are the home of the White Sox on 720 WGN. Kevin Powell with you on White Sox Weekly for the next hour. I'll be here for... Uh, about two and a half hours. Four to five is White Sox Weekly, and then from uh, five to six thirty is the beat. So we'll have uh, a variety of sports talk. I have plenty of uh, thoughts on the Bears, so we're going to get to that later on in the uh, in the next hour. But a uh, a very special guest to kick off White Sox Weekly. It's uh, it's an honor to talk to the man. I g- grew up a White Sox fan, and of course, he was on the mound for one of the um, uh, my favorite moments, sports moments as uh, as a sports lifer. So uh, Bobby Jenks is on the line here on 720 WGN. Bobby, thanks for uh, joining the show. I appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time, Bobby Jenks. Of course, the uh, longtime closer for the White Sox, and he was on the mound in that 2005. We'll revisit that, Bobby. I'd love to go down memory lane just for a minute with you because uh, a lot of great memories for White Sox fans, and things are starting to turn a corner here with the rebuild, and I think people are starting to think contention, championships, and World Series again uh, for the Southsiders. So we'll get to that, but I do want to start, uh, if, if anybody's missed this, it is a uh, a must-read from Bobby Jenks. It's on the playerstribune.com if you're not familiar with that site. It uh, basically is exactly what it sounds like. It's a uh, a site for current and former players to go and tell their story, um, whatever it may be. And Bobby, you really uh, you laid out an honest and detailed uh, account of your story as a as a baseball player, um, really. And you, you kind of start with um, how should I put it? The end of the beginning of of some rough times for you, Bobby. But uh, was this hard for you to do to revisit all of this? Uh, you know, it was. I mean, uh, you know, I had to sit down and uh, really open myself up to be able to put this all down on paper. And, uh, you know, and I wanted the uh, the importance of this story, you know, which we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute, yeah. to be about the uh, surgeries. But uh, in order, I felt in order to do that, uh, I needed to be able to connect with more people. And in order to do that, I had to be completely honest. And uh, that's where I started. Yeah, well, just full full honesty. Yeah, that's I appreciate that. I think everybody reading it appreciates the complete honesty and tip of the cap to you, Bobby, for opening up. So let's let's tell the story. Of course, Bobby was with the White Sox for seven seasons, was it, Bobby? Um, in, before signing with the uh, with the Boston Red Sox, and you only pitched about nineteen games for them, and then you suffered a back injury. I'm going to just let you tell the the story, Bobby, because obviously uh, you, you detailed it here pretty well. Yeah, so you know when I went over to Boston, I. Uh... You know, I was, I got, you know, 
very unlucky early. I had a bicep tear. Uh, you know, I, I started off spring training. I was good. I was healthy. Everything was good to go. I had a great spring, and then early on in the season, I suffered a bicep tear. And then uh, during uh, one of my rehab appearances down in the minor leagues, I just, uh, you know, I couldn't get right. And then, you know, so I went for more x-rays until we found a uh, pulmonary embolism in my lung. And then we found uh, what was causing uh, the back problems, and that was in my spine. You know, it was a long time before then. We couldn't really diagnose on where the pain was coming from because uh, the pain was coming from my left scapula, like like underneath my armpit. And, uh, you know, it was nerves that were being pinched, and uh, a lot of the uh, inside of my spine was growing together and closing off those nerve endings. But in order to have the surgery, we had to take care of the uh, blood clot in my lung first. So that's why the surgery got pushed back until December at the end of that year in 2011 was because uh, we had to get rid of the uh, blood clot first. Okay, so then you, you begin this story on the Players' Tribune. I'm, I'm going to read it here, Bobby, because as I said, it's a very uh, honest take from, from Bobby. Quote, when I woke up that morning in Fort Myers, Florida, I was sitting all alone in my underwear. No shoes, no shirt, no pants, just underwear. Also, I was somehow behind the wheel of a parked car that didn't belong to me. Uh, this was in the spring of 2012. I remember seeing a story, Bobby, and, and I'm not seeing a lot of details on what exactly happened, but uh, give us what you can from that night after dealing with back problems, after dealing with surgery, after dealing with, and you said you were taking 50 to 60 pills a day, Bobby. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's what it got up to um, going into that year. Uh, you know, this is, uh, that spring training is after my uh, second surgery, the emergency surgery I had uh, two weeks after my first surgery that December. Um, so going into that spring training, I was, I was a complete mess. Uh, I was just, uh, just mentally and physically just shot and, uh, I was full on. I was addicted to pain pills, and that story is later on. I think somewhere around uh, April, where that uh, the story kind of picks up. And you know, I, I can't give you much of that night because honestly, I don't remember too much of it. But those are just the uh, the highlights of what I do remember that night was uh, some somehow getting in. Uh, one of my neighbor's cars, um, I guess, apparently I told the, uh, the police that, uh, I thought somebody was on fire. So I was trying to get them out. You know, I, I was a complete mess at that time. Yeah. It says you, you, you said you had, you had a night, Bobby. It said you stabbed your TV in your apartment. You were throwing, basically you said it looked like a tornado went through your apartment. Um, now I know you you wanted to get into the the surgery component of this, Bobby, because it, it the story does end. Well, first of all, you've been seven years sober now since then, correct? Uh, yeah, just a little bit after that. Um, you know, I still had uh, some you know to go through all the rehabs, and uh, you know, I completed sixty days and then three months of sober living after that. Um, you know, that when I went in in May, um, so May of twelve is when I went in. And there was complications with your back surgery, and I know this is the real reason you wanted to, not the real reason, but a major part of the reason you wanted to tell this story is concurrent surgeries. I believe that's the correct terminology. But when I was reading this, Bobby, I couldn't believe what, it, what I was reading, that a doctor could possibly perform two surgeries at the same time. And these are back surgeries we're talking about. He failed to do the, the, the job correctly, which is no surprise. But, but talk a little bit about that. I know you're trying to shine some light on, on this concurrent surgeries. Yeah, so that, that's a, uh, a big issue right now that, uh, you know, with a lot of effort from uh, a lot of different people are trying to put a ban to this type of, uh, of procedures in hospitals where they allow one surgeon to oversee two surgeries going on at the same time. And 
not only is that a problem, but neither patients are aware of uh, of this has actually happened. No one is aware of it. Um, a big case actually just got settled with uh, Dr. Burke, who was also had a, a case against uh, Mass General, who just won his case as well for wrongful termination for, you know, basically speaking out about this side of thing. You know, so my efforts are to, you know, make awareness and bring this to an end, hopefully. Yeah, so Bobby suffered this back injury. He went in, and it sounded like they explained to you it was, I don't know if routine, if there's ever a routine back surgery, but you're supposed to have just a four- to five-inch incision in your back. Turns out they ended up about 15 inches or so. you got a massive scar on your back now, Bobby. Yeah, it was a uh, a lot of damage that was done for a very minimal, minimally invasive uh, procedure. It's just incredible to see this, and there's a there's a photo detailing the scar on Bobby's back at this uh, uh, theplayerstribune dot com. the uh, The piece is called scar tissue. The uh, where, you know, again, tip of the cap to you, Bobby. I know this is probably did, did it help doing this as well? I know I asked you if this was hard to lay this whole story out, but did it help you in any way? Was it closure or anything like that, or, or have you kind of moved past this a little bit? Um, you know, in a way, it has helped me. Um, just being able to, you know really just speak on what happened to me, um, not just uh, surgery-wise, but baseball-wise as well, as well. you know, because for many years I wasn't able to speak because it was an ongoing, it was an ongoing case, so I had to stay quiet about what really happened and where I went to. You know, a lot of people just assumed because of, you know, maybe I just uh, drank myself or whatever myself out of my game, but uh, that wasn't the case at all, and uh, it was very important for me to not only just clear my name, but make everybody I can aware of of what's actually going on out there. Yeah, yeah. I know people see these stories, professional athlete, DUI, and people just kind of brush it aside and roll their eyes and think, oh, well, that's just another athlete. But yeah, no, nobody – we all don't know everybody's story, right? I mean, everybody's always going through something. So um, well, I'm happy you're doing better. How are you feeling now, Bobby, physically, you mentally? Know, you know, physically, I, I'll never be the same again, but – you know, I'm making do with what I got. I'm living a nice life, uh, you know, certainly, you know, primarily pain-free now. Um, you know, obviously I'll never be able to pitch again because of the uh, the plates and screws and in my spine. But, you know, I'm able to do a lot of things, you know. You know, I'm spending lots of time uh, doing things that I wasn't able to do before as well. It's like spending home, you know, uh, being a stay-at-home dad and uh, really just getting to know my little one. Well, uh, it's a great piece. If anybody hasn't read it, I highly recommend. It gives you a great story of, of Bobby and the injuries he had to go through and uh, complications with surgery and really ended up ending his career back in 2012. But a White Sox legend, Bobby. If you don't mind hanging on, I'd love to just kind of go down memory lane and even talk about the current White Sox, if if you don't mind, Bobby. Yeah, sure. All right, we'll be right Thank back. You. We'll be right back on White Sox Weekly. This is 720 WGN. There's a chopper. Come on, Juan. And Bobby Jones has time. Ah, uh, the great Hawk Harrelson on the call. Bobby Jenks joining us here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Kevin Powell. We'll take the show up to 5 o'clock. Bobby was on to uh, talk about uh, really his life story, not his entire life story, but a good chunk of it where Bobby, of course, spent uh, many years with the White Sox before going to Boston. He then 
uh, had all sorts of uh, medical complications, malpractice lawsuit uh, against doctors who performed the surgery on his back. So it's been a journey for Bobby, and he uh, laid out the entire story at theplayerstribune.com. I uh, highly recommend you read his story. So uh, Bobby is live with us here on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Um, Bobby, you know, I'm going to go down memory lane a little bit here because we can all remember you in that 2005 season. You get called up in early July and next thing you know, you're closing out the World Series. Is that just kind of a whirlwind for you? Oh, it was completely. Um, and it's funny, I said before that uh, I've had to go back and look at tapes to remember some of the things that actually happened because it went by so fast. I know. It's, um, I think for a lot of Sox fans, feels that feel that way as well. Um, that team was such a fun bunch of players. I mean, you come in as a rookie, but they're the Paul Canercos, the Mark Burleys, um, characters. And I think that's why White Sox fans loved you because, you know, Ozzy would go out there and he put his hands out and ask for the big guy out of the bullpen and everybody got a little bit. Like, I remember you first came up, my brother was like, did you see the game yesterday? They got this new guy and he could throw 100 miles per hour. What, what was it like? Did you, did you, did you brace? Like, did, could you feel the love White Sox fans had for Bobby Jenks that season? Oh, I did 100%. And uh, not only did I feel it um, by the fans, but, you know, I, I try to give back. And it, for me, like Chicago will always be a second home. That's how I feel. Well, it was a great run. What what were those guys playing? What was it like playing with those guys, the Canericos and the Burleys and some of the veterans that le- helped lead to the 20, uh, 2005 World Series? You know, that's one thing that uh, I, I said a long time ago that uh, when I got there, they didn't make me feel like a rookie or out of place. Um, you know, not one of them, um, you know, tried to be the, the quote-unquote the big leaguer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they, they really all just took me under the wing, uh, just showed me the ropes, and, you know, just encouraged me to do the best I absolutely could. And, you know, because obviously the, the way that season was going, we uh, they had, you know, since early on that the team was – the chemistry was just – it was just there. And nobody wanted to break that kind of chemistry. So everybody – just did their absolute best to uh, try to keep that going. Yeah, people, people might forget that was a three closer type season because it was Shingo Takatsu to start the year, then uh, Dustin Hermanson, and then and then you showed up, and the rest yep. is history. So just a, a ton of fun talking to Bobby Jenks here on White Sox Weekly. Are you following what the White Sox are doing currently, Bobby? Because there's a ton of buzz around the team this off season and really over the past few as the rebuild goes on. Uh, yeah, you know I don't follow as much as I used to, but I definitely keep tabs on. Uh, on what's going on. Any of the young players on this team? I, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch a ton of them play, but they're, they are loaded with young talent, whether it's Moncada or Tim Anderson. Anybody you, you've seen that has impressed you? Uh, you know what? I really like the way uh, Giolito uh, takes you know presence on the mound. Uh, that's one thing that uh, really impressed me is um, you know, his, his, mental, his mental game on the mound. Yeah, it, Lucas Giolito is one of my favorite players. Getting to cover really both teams in town, but covering the White Sox and having a chance to talk to Lucas Giolito, he has to. He's very self-aware. He's very dedicated to his his craft. He's a uh, he's a fun player to watch for sure. Um, I do want to ask you. This is regarding league wide, but there is a new rule that's going to be in effect. In effect, and it's not exactly clear if it's going to be in effect for for next season. But you yourself, as a reliever, there's the new rule with the the minimum of three batter rule. Um, but the gist of it is baseball is hoping to, to speed up certain parts of the game where it's not just a one-out lefty specialist type guy coming out of the bullpen. But from your perspective as a reliever, do you, do you like that rule where a reliever would have to face three batters before bringing in a, another reliever? No, I don't like that one bit. You're trying to that's just too much trying to change the game. I mean, that's what makes 
baseball what it is because you can you play matchups and if you got a lefty coming off the bench you can bring your lefty specialist out of the bullpen just for that one better I, I don't like that rule one bit do you like where baseball is at as a whole is there anything you would like to see changed um, you know, no. I, if anything, you know, I'm just a very, I'm a very traditionalist when it comes to the game. Um, I just, uh, I don't like a lot of the stuff. <laughs> but, at the, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 a game that needs to evolve with the time. I understand that, and um, but there's uh, there's what makes baseball baseball is the tradition, and I just hate to see the game lose its tradition. That's Bobby Jenks, a longtime White Sox closer, of course, World Series winning. Bobby Jenks, one of uh, all-time White Sox players for sure. I know uh, just about every Sox fan loves Bobby Jenks. And I appreciate you coming on the show, taking some time. And, uh, again, anybody who hasn't read Bobby's story, he details it with complete honesty at theplayerstribune.com, detailing um, really a career-ending back surgery, back injury, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, wishing you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. All right, you got it, man. Thanks. All right, bye. That's Bobby Jenks. If you would have told me someday I'd be talking to Bobby Jenks on the radio, I would never have believed you. You know, I I cover I do cover both teams in town, but I I don't shy away from the fact that as a kid I grow I grew up as a White Sox fan, and I'll never forget the moment being in my family room with I have two brothers and a sister. My older brother was out with his friends. My older sister was out with her friends. But most of my friends were fans of the other team in town. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, growing up in the Northwest Burbs, the North Side, like the heart of Cubs Nation. Um, but we didn't care. We were Sox fans. And um, I'll never forget that that final out and jumping up and down like a bunch of lunatics in my parents' family room, hugging my dad, hugging my brother. My mom's jumping up and down. I think the dog was barking. So it was uh, it was incredible times. And, and I always think of one of the things I always think about in game four, that 2005 World Series, and I continue to harp on this, is Juan Uribe's underrated catch in the bottom of the ninth inning with the tying run on. He goes into the stands. If you go to that championship monument circle, whatever they call it, at guaranteed rate field, um, just outside the ballpark, um, and it's got like. It's basically a dedication to the World Series victory. There is there's Juan Uribe reaching up, and it's him depicting that catch where Uribe went back and made the grab, reaching into the seats. And I always say, like, if that was Derek Jeter, people would be talking about it like it was the greatest play in the history of baseball. It doesn't get talked about enough. Big bad Bobby Jenks was on the mound when that happened. He was also on the mound when the... Uh, the White Sox clinched the 2005 World Series. All right, plenty more to come on White Sox Weekly. I'm Kevin Powell. We're taking uh, White Sox Weekly up to 5 o'clock. And uh, following this, we will talk with the great Scott Merkin. The winter meetings, are they begin tomorrow in sunny San Diego. So uh, plenty to get to. White Sox making a splash early this offseason with Yasmani, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, Zach Wheeler news this past week. We'll get to all that with uh, with Scott Merkin coming up. Pick 10 plans are on sale now. Get ready for the 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at $205. Visit WhiteSox.com to pick your plan today. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly rolls on. Kevin Powell with you until the top of the hour. Scott Merkin going to join us in uh, about 10 minutes. He's at the uh, winter meetings. We'll uh, lay all that. Winter meetings is basically when the entire baseball world gets together. This year it's in San Diego, and uh, there are ongoing 
negotiations between the uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Their collective bargaining agreement expires at the end of next season. Normally, they try to get these things done before the the final season of the deal uh, begins. But there's a lot to sort out. There's some news with... um, you know, minor league baseball players pay, which is ridiculously low. Um, I mean, I get it. They, they, they look. They're part of a major league organization. Some people might just kind of gloss over that, but I mean, if you look at the details and how little of money, I mean, some of these guys are getting twenty five bucks, you know, stipends for the day, or for for whatever it may be. It's just very low. Some of these guys are having to bunk up together in hotels and motels. It's just like. I mean, I'm not saying they should be treated like major league baseball players. They're not there yet, but they should be given, considering how much money is involved with baseball. Um, you know, basically every organization is worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Some are worth well over a billion. So, and we can talk to Scott Merkin about that. Um, we'll talk about the White Sox free agency, which has been aggressive so far. The past couple off seasons for baseball have been so slow. You know, last year it was all about where's Bryce Harper going to go, Harper watch. A lot of these guys aren't signing until spring training even begins. And to be honest with you, if you go on social media, it, it can be a bit exhausting like following along. You know, today there was a, a tweet put out by a reporter that the White Sox are getting ready to sign Marcelo Zuna, the uh, free agent outfielder who's known for his bat, not his glove. Strikes out a bit, but does have a lot of power. Um and then, like immediately, some other reporters like, no, there's no truth to that whatsoever. So it's you know following along with it, and I guess it's just 2019. I basically it's basically, you know, a lot of rumors on social media, and I think it's fun for some people to follow along, right? Like it's it's if if you're passionate about a certain team, if you're passionate about baseball, like you're gonna follow it, and you're gonna get excited if you see something like that. You might get disappointed, but. It's just to me, it's a bit exhausting, and I don't know if that's just like the wear and tear. I shouldn't even call it wear and tear, but it's just from the past couple off seasons where it's just being, it's just like mind numbing. Where it's constantly, he, this reporter says this, this reporter says that. Then some reporters are getting accused of planting stories for agents to try to up the ante on their players. So who knows? We'll talk to Scott Merkin though. Marcelo Zuna, we'll see. Is he coming to the White Sox? Who knows? Nicholas Castellanos could be a good fit in right field for the White Sox as well. Zach Wheeler signing with the Phillies this week. He was basically considered the third best free agent pitcher on the market behind Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, who, in my opinion, the Sox should very much be in on both of those guys. I realize they're going to garner a ton of money. Cole gets $300 million. Does he? I don't know. I mean, you could look. This was the time. This is basically what I anticipated from the White Sox. A very aggressive offseason. This is the perfect time for the Sox, for Rick Hahn to be aggressive. You saw enough last year to give you some hope that 2020 can certainly be a contending year for the White Sox. It's not exactly the scariest division in baseball, the AL Central. So, I mean, you got to compete with the Indians. You've got to compete with the Twins. But top to bottom, it's not. You you look at the roster of, of where this team could be next year, and you got a rotation: Lucas Giolito, All Star, Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, Ronaldo Lopez, who had sort of a roller coaster of a year, but again showed some flashes to at least give you some hope and excitement about next season. And then you sprinkle in some some starting pitching. If they don't land Cole or Strasburg, there are some options out there: Madison Bumgarner. But it sounded like his price his his uh his ask will be. 
Um, could be around $100 million. Do you want to pay for Madison Bumgarner? He's got a lot of wear and tear on that arm. Had a great career with the Giants. Dallas Keuchel could be an option as well. But, I don't know, Curtis Koch's producing today, White Sox Weekly. Curtis, how much do you think Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg will get in free agency? Uh, I think Garrett Cole will probably make over 300. Okay. Um, I think Strasburg, I, I think with Strasburg's injury history, I think he might maybe make a little bit less, maybe 275. Um, I, I don't know how exactly you would kind of plan those out just simply because of the fact that Cole is easily the, the more dominant pitcher right now, I would say, over Strasburg. But like I said, Strasburg had had that injury, hist- uh, injury history. Definitely Tommy John surgery, uh, of, I think, once or twice for mm-hmm. him for sure. Um, a little bit of injury prone. And I, actually, I, if I were the Sox, I would definitely go after, I agree with you, go after Garrett Cole. Yeah. I, I don't think you could even picture a, a more uh, dominant rotation in the city right now than a, a Garrett Cole, Giolito. You get Kopech back. Um, not to mention you just have all the young talent that's coming up. And to have a, a horse at the top of your rotation in Garrett Cole and then a, a solid number two or really 1A, 1B with uh, Giolito, I, I think they just go to town on the uh, AL Central. That's fun. Fun times to be a White Sox fan. If you're a Sox fan right now, you got to be hyped. ton of players coming up. you got Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal. And who knows? You know, with the winter meetings, this is when the crazy things happen in the offseason because every, the entire baseball world is there. All the general managers are there. All the executives are there. Baseball representatives are there. So you see a lot of action. This is and no, and actually, it's been a pretty busy offseason to start compared to what we've seen over the past past couple seasons. You know, with the Sox immediately going get, to get Yasmani Grandal, I think that got a lot of White Sox fans excited, and they should be excited for it. So. I don't know. With everything we saw last year, and I continue to say this, you know, there was only, what, 73 wins last year, 72. You saw about a 10-win improvement. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it's it's easily another 10-win improvement in 2020 without without any more additions to this club. But they're going to come. I can promise you that. So who's it going to be? Will it be? And we haven't seen really any rumors, but like I said, it's it's, it's who knows what's what's being said out there. Um, Marcelo Zuna again was was mentioned to go to the, be signing with the White Sox on Monday. That was a report, and then immediately another local baseball reporter, uh, Bruce Levine, was like, "That's not accurate at all." So I don't know. Do you find do you find it fun, Curtis, to follow along the circus that is Major League Baseball's offseason, or do you just kind of like ignore it because it's just you're not sure what to trust? No, I think you have to take it in stride and enjoy it while it happens because even though there's conflicting and swirling reports out there, that's really as part of the entertainment factor when it comes to the offseason. Otherwise, you're just kind of sitting on your hands waiting for things to become official. But if you're a diehard baseball fan, you're scrolling through Twitter. You're looking for those those rumors. And, so you're and into the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I'm full-blown into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, though, think that the Sox should be also – be some active on the trade front, be not so much with parting ways with your top prospects such as Madrigal and uh, um, and Robert and, and Roberts. Yeah, right. but I mean, uh, well, that's the point too. You you build guys. a farm system not only just to have the players, obviously, but it gives you ammunition ammunition when it does become time to make a deal, whether it's now 
or next season, if all of a sudden you're looking like, okay, we got a serious contender here, let's add some pieces at the trade deadline. Yeah, and exactly. And when you have the the prospects that the Sox have, it, it makes it easier. Even now during the off season, you could go ahead and, and trade for a guy like a, a Jock Peterson, yeah, or, or Starling Marte like potentially with yeah. the Pirates. He would really very much fit into the outfield. Sox do have to consider the defensive outfield because Ilo Jimenez very much struggled in left field. So, do you want to bring in a guy who's you know Marcelo Zuna, who's not known for being for his glove at all? He actually had one of the biggest. One of the most embarrassing plays last year when he was climbing the wall in left field with the Cardinals and the ball dropped like even Six feet, be- ten feet in front of him. Yeah, yeah, in, in front of him. That was a a viral video of last season for sure. Um, you could back up the truck and uh, try to maybe pry away a, a Mookie Betts from Boston no if doubt. you can, if the, if he's available. No doubt. And then maybe try to use some of your financial flexibility if you still have any, if you don't sign any other big name for agents to try to extend him in your uh in your outfield and then your outfield looks really solid with uh with uh Robert, Robert Eloy, and Eloy and, and Mookie, Mookie. Betts. yeah that's a pretty solid outfield right there pretty solid's an understatement Curtis that should get a lot of people excited Outstanding. yeah so we'll see what Cole's asking price will be what Strasburg's asking price will be but a lot of this is I think and I, I don't know with Cole or Strasburg you know I mean the thing is like the argument against giving those guys $300 million, because last year there were multiple 300 The Sox offered Manny Machado, at least reportedly, allegedly, whatever you want to call it, a $275 million deal with $50 million in incentives. And he took the Padres' guarantee of $300 million. So it's not like the Sox aren't willing to spend the money. They already gave out the largest contract in franchise history to Grandall. They were... Reportedly willing to give $125 million to Zach Wheeler. And that was his highest offer. He, Zach took less money to go to the, stay on the East Coast. Right, right. He took 118 to stay with the Phil, to go with the Phillies. His wife's from that area. He's been in the, um, in the, uh, NL East his entire career, seven seasons with the, with the Mets. So, um, Sox are aggressive. And I, I think they're doing everything they possibly can. And if you're a Sox fan, uh, you got to be pretty, pretty hyped up. Uh, coming up, we'll, uh, We'll get to some of those baseball rumors and all those other details with the great Scott Merkin who covers the Sox for MLB.com. Sox games are better with the group. It's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package from a diamond suite to a pregame patio party. We've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. White Sox Weekly. Kevin Powell with you for the next 15 minutes. Uh, Some White Sox and some baseball talk. Uh, speaking of Sox Fest, one man I know will be there is the great Scott Merck, and he covers the White Sox for MLB.com. Scott, appreciate you jumping on the show. Sure, anytime, Kevin. Are you at the winter meetings? I am not yet. I'm enjoying the 45-degree uh, temperatures in Chicago before I head into the slightly warmer temperatures in San Diego tomorrow afternoon. you got to love the winter meetings, right? Because they always put it in a warm place this time of year. You know, one year they had it in, Indiana- in an Indianapolis. I think it's it's the host city... I want to say it's based off a minor league team, but I don't know what minor league team is actually in San Diego at this point, but uh, or near San Diego. I, I guess it could be somewhere near it, right, too. Yeah. But so they had it in Indianapolis one year, and that's the only year I can ever remember a cold-weather city. You know, Nashville can get a little chilly in the winter. I remember one year they had it in Dallas, and they had they forecast an ice storm for that night, and we were staying in this huge hotel called the Wyndham Anatole. 
and businesses were closing like, you know, the world was ending because, you know, they see an ice storm in Texas like maybe once a year or something like that. And, you know, it was supposed to hit at like 2.30 and people were closing up shop at like noon just to get the heck out of Dodge at that point. Think, otherwise, New Orleans, Las Vegas, can't beat it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I always find it to be funny as Chicagoans when we see like – I remember L.A., there was a news report, and the reporter's outside. It was like 55 degrees. She's like in a, right, like a right. winter coat. And all of a sudden, like, what are you talking about? That's T-shirt weather here in Chicago. So, uh, Scott- oh, yeah. Like, whenever it occasions a very rare time, it'll snow like in Las Vegas. You know, people, it's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, Santa actually exists. It's that rare and that kind of thing. I, I couldn't think of a better example than that one, but we'll go with that for now. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, all right. Well, enjoy San Diego. Um, the, winter meetings, the winter meetings are here. Um this is when a lot of activity happens in the baseball world. The White Sox Merc is, I think, what a lot of people were expecting or for fans definitely hoping for, which was an aggressive offseason. They did start off with a bang with Grandal, the Abreu uh, extension, and then the reports that they offered Zach Wheeler $125 million, the starting right, right-handed pitcher who ended up going to the Phillies for less money. Um, what did you think of that, and can you confirm that that was the deal the Sox had offered to Wheeler? Yeah, that's what a source confirmed to me. That was five years, $125 million. You know, I think I, I can see both sides. I can see where Sox fans are a little incredulous and thinking, well, you know, was there genuine interest here, you know, or were, was he just waiting for one of the East Coast teams to get involved and, and make a, you know, not not legitimate offer, my goodness. I think $70 million would be a legit offer, but yeah. an offer that was commensurate with what was being thrown out there. And on the flip side, I think there really was interest. I know they met with him, you know, a, a group from the Sox front office went and met with him and pitch their idea and you know i get that the Sox are you know are getting close but not quite there but i i think you know there's i think there's still enough people you know grandal you know bought the vision and i think that'll be an important piece moving forward sort of like what john lester you know did for the cubs but i think uh i think they really did you know have some interest in him and as rick Hans pointed out a couple times and uh you know it's free agency these guys are not beholden to anyone one way or the other it's not like you know Whoever makes the first offer gets to negotiate with them exclusively, and they have every right, whether it's you know what they believe or what they're, the, the excuse they're using, they, but they have every right to pick where they want to go and pick where they feel is the best fit for them. And ultimately, you know, Wheeler thought a little less money, but you know, supposedly where his fiance wants to be, so it works out well for him. Cole and Strasburg, the two big fish, obviously starting pitchers. One, how much do you think those guys get? Two, how long before they actually do sign? And three. The, the White Sox should be in on it. I think they should. I don't know if they will. I haven't seen any reports on it, but there should at least be conversations. Um, so I guess we'll just start with uh, how much do you think those guys fetch? My, my goodness. I, I don't think it would be even fair for me to, to hazard a guess. I mean, <laughs> what, what did Strasburg opt out of? Four for 100, I want to say, he yeah. had coming mm-hmm. with the Nationals. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm don't. i certain that he did not opt out for less than four for 100. So, I would think, you know, that's a starting point and probably going to be more than that. And, you know, Cole is the 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 big fish of the pitching market, maybe of the entire – well, I guess Rendon, too. Mm-hmm. But Cole is, you know, the guy. So I think he's going to get paid. And, you know, I, I, it sounds like things are moving fast. I, I was on a podcast recently and made a prediction that I thought Rendon would sign during the winter meetings, and I still think that's a possibility. But it sounds like even Cole, from the reports I'm reading, is, you know, getting – I don't know, close to signing, but getting things kind of in order. I, I, I don't think – I don't want to take away from anyone who's played because obviously anyone who's played is a, is a big player just to get to that level. But I don't think any of the main guys like you saw with Keuchel and Kimbrell and Machado and Harper last year are going to wait until March to sign this year. I think they're going to be you know well in place by the time spring training comes. 
And, you know, the Sox, is, from what I've known from the now 18 years I've covered them, they check in on pretty much everyone, you know. They don't leave any stone unturned. The, pro, you know, the issue is, you know, not an issue, but they have a budget to work with. They have a lot of different needs to fill. And I don't know if, you know, what these two guys are going to be asking is in their budget for everyone they have to add on there. So that would be my answer on that part of the question. Okay, so if it's not those guys, who do you think the White Sox will target? Because they're going to add some veteran pitching. I mean, it's it's going to happen. Absolutely. So who do you think? That, That's one thing that, you know, I, I don't want to say I didn't understand, but I kind of cautioned on, was it Tuesday, right? When, or was it Wednesday when Zach Wheeler announced this? I think it might have been Wednesday, right? Uh, yeah, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday when he announced, you know, that he or they announced where he was going. You know, it wasn't like the Sox said, okay, we're going to negotiate with Wheeler, and if we don't get him, we're done, and we'll just bring back whoever we can bring right. back. I mean, that was an option. That was their main option. That was their priority, obviously, if they offered him what they did. A lot of other good pitchers out there. You know, I think Ryu is, is someone they could look at. I think Dallas Keiko would be a really good fit in that ballpark and with that team and with his experience just, you know, pitching in high-pressure games, pitching in postseason games, working with young players on the rise. I mean, you can't find a real a, much of a better fit than that. And you know, I, I talked to a couple of people with the Twins last year, and they raved about you know the influence that some of these veterans they had brought in. They brought in had you know like uh, Marwin Gonzalez, Chris Crone, uh, Martin Perez, Nelson Cruz, all of whom were productive. You know, some extremely productive, but all had played on winning teams. You know, some had played on championship teams, and it helps. It helps some of the younger guys along when you have those kind of calming forces. So I would think Keiko would be a, a good addition. And I think you know they're going to add two starters. And, again, you don't want to say a lesser starter in the second one, but I don't think it's going to be two featured starters. I think it's going to be one from that bigger group and then one who can certainly be good and give you innings, and you never know. I mean, you never know who's going to be the, the guy who turns out to be the surprise or the guy who jumps in. But, yeah, I, w- I, I would be almost certain that the Sox are going to come out of this offseason with, with two more starters on their, on their roster. We're talking with Scott Merkin, covers the White Sox for MLB.com. This conversation sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. I got about 60 seconds, Mark, but the rumor okay. today in the baseball world, Marcelo Zuna to the White Sox, and with the rumors in the offseason, Mark, I don't know what to believe. Did, did you hear anything on Marcelo Zuna, the free agent outfielder, signing with the White Sox over the next few days? Yeah, everything I've heard from people you know, that I've talked to and people who have talked to me about it in the know says it's not happening right away. But, you know, you never know. I mean, it, 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 you know, maybe it's there's no signing imminent means there's no signing imminent today, and maybe it does happen Monday. So, I mean, I think anything is possible. Do you and like him I, as a fit? I think fit? for them to put it out there, there must be some connection there, you know? Do you like him as a fit? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what his defense is, and I don't know what his defense in right field will be, but he certainly is, you know, a, a productive bat, and I think you put him with the other guys they have, with Jimenez and Abreu and Grandal and Anderson and Moncada, and he doesn't have to be the guy. You know, he can just be one of the contributors, and that's that's a that's a good fit there. And again, I don't want to diminish the other guys they had, but let's face it, you know, they got next to nothing out of right field last year. So right. this is an upgrade for sure from what they had, and an upgrade, I think, in general, if it is at all happening. This is the great Scott Merkin. Be sure to cover, uh, to read his stuff, MLB.com, WhiteSox.com. I've uh, been doing it for 18 years now, and he's uh, my go-to source for White Sox stuff. Scott Merkin, we'll uh, be looking for your stuff from uh, the winter meetings this week. Enjoy San Diego. Okay, Kevin, I'll be there. Thanks. Uh, okay, thanks so much. That's Scott Merkin. Uh, 2020 ticket packages are on sale now. Secure your seat with a 20-game plan. Find the plan that meets your schedule and budget with lower-level plans starting as low as $403. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312 674 thousand.